You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello and welcome to the next in the Trows and Hamlins podcast series, Positive Influences. I'm Sarah Bailey, the Senior Partner at Trows and Hamlins. And I'm delighted today to be talking to Maria Hatch, who is the previous director of the UK Student Experience at Greystar and is now the Client Relationship Director of UK and Ireland. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Absolute pleasure. Those two titles are really interesting in terms of the UK student experience bit, um, but also how that then sort of morphs into how you're looking at the client relationship side. Could you tell us a little bit more about what your role is and Greystar as an organisation? Absolutely. So the client relationship side of my role, I look after university partners, um, nominations, global agents. My department oversees sort of any business to business interaction from a student side. I also look after business to business and corporate lets on our multifamily side of the business at Greystar. So I'm a point of contact, I think, if somebody wants to reach out and, and learn a bit more. But equally, you know, I have a sort of an influence over Greystar's decisions with the with the higher education sector. And it's an important role because it bridged the gaps between the PBSA industry and, and where we are now and, and the university and sort of language school industry. My previous role as the resident experience director was very much to take the resident experience to the next level for Greystar and for the chapter and canvas brands. And, you know, that's all inclusive resident experience with the student welfare, the community building, the events programmes, and then equally, I guess, how we portray that externally. So how do we let people know what we're doing? Are we doing the right thing? What are the benchmarking tools used? So I oversaw that for a little while, and I think they go hand in hand, you know, people knowing what we're doing internally and then sort of how you promote that externally. So as, as we're aware that the theme is loneliness for Mental Health Awareness Week, which we're currently in. And actually not just through the pandemic, where I think loneliness has been a really key element, particularly in the, the multifamily built to rent sort of the sector. But also previous to that, actually students and loneliness, it was a real issue in mental health terms for universities. And how do you think there's a link between mental health being and how the physical spaces people live in, how the two are connected? Yeah, so, so I think there's a huge link between that and, and to your point of sort of the build to rent industry and then the student industry. I mean, for me, people are just people. So if people are lonely, whether or not they're in a build to rent or a student designed building, it's kind of how we approach that as a sector as a whole. So the real estate um, industry approaches that as a sector. Um, the link is very evident post COVID, um, you know, sort of raised, uh, became more evident, I would say, during COVID. And the reason for that is because I think well, we naturally don't always come from a society where stopping and saying hello is a thing. However, I think, you know, I know that Greystar feels huge responsibility and I, and I personally do as well to build communities that allow immunity spaces for people to, you know, mix events that allow sort of like a diverse I guess event plan and how we do that as an inclusive partner and what I mean really by that is how do we get people together in a space to create a safe environment so that people can be totally themselves and move that forward with the times I think it very much used to be here's a free beer and a pizza take it up to your room if you want to and you know stay in and have a chat if you want to I think now it's about listening to what people want in a building. So if a resident says they want more yoga events, it's okay, how do we do that? How do we get this feedback? How do we turn it into like practical solutions? And I think community spaces, like I said, event plans and more than that now, like the external support that you can provide and just making people aware of external support. So, 
you know, the Samaritans, student minds, nightline, anything like that is so important and something that we take very seriously. And do you think that there are still these barriers that need addressing? I mean, your point about it's not perhaps particularly in in the UK in our nature to always just say you might say good morning but you're probably carrying on walking at the same time and I think we've just been saying at, at Trowers that you know when you say to someone oh how are you doing or are you okay and you just carry on walking because the answer you're going to get is yes I'm fine rather than stop and listen what barriers do you think there are that, that need addressing? I think it's it's being approachable so I think in buildings particularly if you've got um, reception staff or you know, community managers, assistant managers, it's so important that you're you're approachable from, to a resident. I think it's really just making yourself known as that person that somebody can come and talk to or sort of like an advice panel. But it's, you know, we live in a world now where sort of people come out of a train station head down on their phone. Like I'm just as guilty as everybody else for that, I think. And you kind of listen when needed or when you know somebody. And, you know, it is a bit standoffish if somebody, you know, approaches you with an issue and you don't know them or however that might be. But I think we all need to understand that, again, post-COVID, it was very difficult for some people. The world is changing and that being kind goes a long way. I think there's a huge amount to be said for training staff in buildings. So how do people signpost if there's an issue with a resident? How do we, I I guess, how do we get past the taboo of like, it's okay to say you're not okay but do it in a way that is a slow progressive kind of manner and and, you know these things I think take time and I think that's where building a community is so important so people feel like they're part of something and therefore can really reach out if needed. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Talking about sort of access to support our wellbeing, like you just mentioned a number of organisations like the Samaritan and various helplines and, and things like that. Do you think that there are sort of organizations at different stages of your life that you might want to point people to I mean someone mentioned to me the other day that I mean they're in their 60s and they were pointed towards a helpline which was sort of geared they thought to more younger people and they felt really quite intimidated by it so do you look at different ranges depending upon who it is you're addressing absolutely I think you know in our student buildings it's obviously a slightly younger demographic and you know a real mix at the moment across Greystar UK of sort of an international and a domestic demographic and I think it's really important to understand that But yeah, I mean, you know, from the student perspective, you have Student Minds as an organisation who are just incredible and have given so much back to the industry in terms of training, sort of signposting and again, linking a bridge between sort of the PBSAs and the universities. And I think it's given a wealth of information we can now work with. In our build to rent buildings, I think it's very much what people want to reach out for. It's perhaps a slightly older demographic, but I think it's very much on our shoulders to make sure that everybody's aware of what's available. Then it's up to that person to to pick that advice line or, you know, to have the choice. Um, And I think we're lucky now that we do have a choice. I don't think that's always been the way. Yeah. So Greystar have what you call your chapter living student offering and that was really interesting when I was looking at that because it seems to aim to build a real sense of community amongst that student population could you sort of tell us a little bit more about that and how has that been positive for for Greystone feedback from those students yeah so our chapter living brand is based in London Sains 1 to 2 the brand you know it's sort of was born I would say in 2016 and, and as we've built on it progressively ever since and quite fast for me I'm obviously a huge advocate of the chapter living brand and and sort of what we do and I think the core of what we do is very much the student experience and the student welfare and equally our, our staff's welfare you know it's very important to make sure that everybody's looked after and I think what we have started to do differently over the last couple of years is really thinking that mindset so 
How, what do our students need or residents need? How can we make sure they know that we're here to support them in every element of their journey? And that's really very much from the minute they book a room all the way to the minute they move out. And then how can we support them on that journey going forward? And then we build sort of the student experience around that. So for me, the brand is very much about wellness, diversity, health and well-being, and I guess how we can help people progress in, in their journey when coming to London, you know, because these students are coming yeah. to London to go to university. We're very conscious of that. Again, the mindset of university students has changed now. It's not so much freshers year and then you sort of get past year and two and three. You know, it's expensive to go to university. These courses are taken very seriously. And it's, you know, it's our job to make sure we create an environment where people feel they can grow comfortably that they're looked after and when they do graduate from university or they leave the chapter living brand that they feel set up for success. So leading on from that I mean we've talked about the pandemic and, and obviously quite a lot of this series has been around how the pandemic has changed how we see things and how we look at things um, and I remember at the very beginning of the lockdown saying on one of them that the worst thing would be for us not to learn from it and to go backwards and, and, and forget because human nature is sometimes that we do forget these things once we come out of it how do you think the pandemic has influenced change in your strategy and how you look at things in terms of both yourself actually as well as the business yeah um, I would completely agree with that there were so many learnings that came out of the pandemic but you know particularly in the PBSA and build to rent industry I think one thing that we had to deal with very quickly and I think everybody sort of did across the sector is how do you turn this resident experience from these nice, lovely events in every immunity space to you are stuck in your room with one hour's exercise a day, um, interactive. How do you do that quickly and how do you get people to engage? And I won't lie, that was very difficult. I think we managed to get a hybrid model of student experience and resident experience done quickly, but it was a continuous learning curve for the two years. You know, what events do people want to go to? When do people want to talk? And when actually do people want to be left alone because they don't want you shoving an event calendar down their neck? Um, the, I guess for me, the biggest thing to learn from was how we engage with people and what we do with that information and how quickly we react to somebody saying they're particularly not happy or they're really happy and want to see more of something else. Um, we had always done that, but I think we had done that in a very different way. And I think the pandemic... You know, for everybody in the pandemic, you were faced making decisions with no experience. So no one had been through it before. No one knew what the right answer was. And the government guidelines were changing almost weekly, if not daily, you know, at certain points. So for us, it was just very important to make sure that everybody was as educated as possible. We followed the guidelines as closely as we could and to make sure that our residents were, as I said, looked after and felt like their feedback was relevant, which it became the most important source of truth. So it was incredibly relevant. So the biggest learning was how we speak to residents, touch point journeys, how often we touch in with residents to make sure they're OK and what we do with that feedback and how quickly. It was a great level, as I think I always put it, that you're right. We were all on the same playing field that we none of us had any idea what to do and we just all had to get on with it. But the learning from it, looking at different businesses, including our business, what we've learned from it is huge. And then, then you've got coming out of it, which I think equally for people is mental health. It's been a real challenge for them because certainly we've got people who are still struggling with the idea of coming back to normality because it was so scary for two or three years for them. So I think there's lots of things there as well that I think is going to be quite interesting is how we get people back into society. I completely agree with that. And I think I think the coming back into society part, again, I, that's also something that probably hasn't had as much thought as it should have done, but it's been scary for people. You know, you, you also have a huge amount of pent-up demand of people either wanting to go out or not. And so society is a bit conflicted at the moment with that, I think. But um, I think that will level out. But I think, yeah, it's a 
difficult one at the moment for yeah, sure. Yeah, it seems to be an all or nothing at the moment. It's quite quite amazing. So coming to you rather than some grey stars in, in, in your wellbeing, what drives you and your wellbeing and how do you look after yourself? Because again, for me, it's been really interesting is that often there's a lot of effort and quite rightly gone into looking after those people that you are effectively supporting in terms of your job. But then actually you can only do that if you yourself are actually looking after yourself. So, so how do you look at that? How do you look at your wellbeing? Yeah, I think that's actually a really important question. And again, sort of a learning from COVID, I think. Um, definitely something that I think, and again, everybody's very guilty of, is, is that at the beginning of COVID, the long work hours and the 100 miles an hour all the time, because no one, as you said, and I said, knew sort of how to deal with it. I think I've learned how to switch off, which is something that I hadn't really been very good at before. So, you know, if I take a day off or I close my laptop at you know, five, six o'clock, it's very important, I think, for me to now get my own headspace. And I think, you know, that's something I would promote to anyone. Equally, I think, you know, it's diary management. And it's, for me, it's very much around what can you be doing that isn't work, picking up hobbies. It's kind of all the stuff that you sort of didn't think of before COVID. And I think you probably didn't think of it because you were in the city or you were busy or life just rolled on. You had never, no one had ever told you to stop before. So yeah, for me, it's the headspace piece. It's the learning how to switch off. It's the spending time with people that you love. And I think I think that's very important for everybody. We didn't all have the opportunity to do that for such a long time. Now, when we do, it's really important to make sure that that time is, you know, time well spent, not sat on WhatsApp groups or, you know, the back and forth. And, and I think that's something I've really taken away from it. I think the challenge is going to be keeping to it because I said, I've certainly found that. And I actually started jogging not that I like it, but I did do it and, and I was doing it quite well. And now suddenly I've gone back into, so I'm going back into the office for part of the week and everything else. And it's slightly fallen away. So my challenge to myself is actually that's as important as the job. So you must start doing it again. And I think it's always going to be a challenge for us all. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I really learned as well, is that you can't do your job to the, I guess, you know, to the best of your ability, unless you do have the headspace and you have had that switch off button. And I think the, firefighting was a mode that everybody went into sort of pushing things back you know kicking the can further down the line whereas I think now it's you know I think you can train yourself and I think I've done that to a degree of okay let's deal with things one at a time where possible get them finished and start a new task obviously you know that wasn't the case and <laughs> so it was a, no it was a very different world then but I think yeah as you said hopefully let's see how long this all lasts for yeah, absolutely. And last question. In this whole series, we've been talking to people about what positive impact they want to make in society. And I just wonder what's yours that you really feel strongly about that you would like to make? I think for me, the one thing that I've always really wanted to change is how, and as I used to, I sort of alluded to it earlier, is how people approach uh, mental health and how people approach the taboo subject of I'm fine or, you know, it's fine, it's just how it is um, sort of lines that I think we all say. I think... I would like to have an influence over how we deal with speaking to each other and how we educate, I think, the future generations on it being okay to talk. And there's a huge amount of work that gets done around that every year. But I just think it's very important from a young age to feel like you can speak and that, you know, conversations around this thing don't need to be in a locked room with a cup of tea, just you two. You know, it can be a group thing. It can be individual but I think I'm I'm really going to try and encourage people to do whatever feels for best for them as an individual. And I think that's something that we maybe don't put enough work and effort into as a society. You know, it's sort of like a blanket rule sometimes. And I really don't agree with that. So I think it's the awareness piece, making people feel very comfortable. And I think if we all become approachable as individuals and 
be as kind as we can, which I do understand is, again, a very blanket phrase, but something we should perhaps all try and strive to be a bit better at, then people will feel comfortable speaking to each other a bit more. So my change will very much come from what I can influence. And that's, I guess, my immediate surroundings and who I work with and the company I work for and very lucky to work for. And then hopefully if everybody can adopt that mentality, it might become a more colourful and accepting world with, with mental health and, you know, how we move forward. Absolutely. I think if um take two things away, kindness and listening, and if we could adopt that, the world will probably be a much better place. Thank you so much, Maria. That was really interesting. And I could talk on this topic for ages, but we've only got the, the 20 minutes. But thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's great to be able to speak, you know, openly about these things and for you guys to be raising awareness. So I'm a huge fan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.